Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Hello and welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast that's all about taking the complexity out of real estate investing so that you can take action today. I'm your host, Anthony Vecino, joined as always by Dan, don't control my rent, Kruger. Oh, just drinking out of an Invictus mug, no big deal. Mm. I'm not. I got a bottle of water. Now we are, (laughs) this is a very special under 10 minute episode as we dive into a very complex, very convoluted, very politically charged topic, but we're going to try and simplify it as much as possible in the next 10 minutes. And for those of you who want to learn even more interested in diving even deeper then pay attention. Um, I believe the episode before this that came out on Tuesday is a 40 minute deep dive live webinar that we held with investors all about rent control. So go check that out. If this does not satisfy your your bloodlust now <laughs> dan tell, well, tell me about tell me about rent control go it stinks <laughs> that's it no so here's here's the deal uh let's get you up to speed as quick as possible for those of you who are not aware and those of you who are not local maybe you didn't hear about this you probably did because it's kind of making the news it was in the wall street journal saint paul just passed the most strict rent control um law that has ever existed in this country We've never had anything as strict as St. Paul just voted yes on a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, Minneapolis, right next door, um, had a similar thing on the ballot during the election that uh, voted whether or not the uh, the city council got to make the decision about whether or not there was rent control. So those are two things that were on the ballot. Mm-hmm. They both passed. Uh, Minneapolis got the ability to make that decision themselves uh, via the city council and the mayor, uh, which we'll get to in a second, is uh, actually a good thing. And number two, St. Paul voted for rent control, not just rent control, but the most strict rent control, which is 3% across the board, regardless of property size or type or age. And it does not factor in inflation, just straight 3%. And that is the most strict thing ever. It doesn't matter if somebody moves out. If a tenant changes over, that cap stays. So that is the most strict uh, rent control that we've ever seen, and that is a little bit of a wrench in the whole value-add business model because you are not able to go in there and improve a unit, add value, make it a better living experience for the tenant, and get a little bit more rent uh, to make a profit for yourself. That doesn't work anymore. So um, what's that mean for us? What's that mean for the rest of the market? Well, and what's that mean for investors? If you want to learn about that stuff, I would, I would re- highly recommend you go dive into the webinar. And where we dive really deeply into the ramifications of these local ordinances and how we're responding mm-hmm. as investors in this market. As it, deep as we can, because there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot. A lot. And, there, and that's the thing. There's a lot of unknown. But for this under 10 minute ep- ep- episode, let's talk even more broadly and from a high level about rent control and specifically what problem is rent control trying to solve for and why, in our opinion, in our experience and the data that we've seen, 
why it fails to do that. So at its core, rent control is trying to solve for a supply issue. There's a shortage of supply, which when there's not enough supply and there's an increasing amount of demand, then the price goes up. And the concern is, well, if there's not enough supply and the price is getting more expensive, then people can't afford it. Why does this rent control, broadly speaking, whether it's the St. Paul model or the San Francisco model, why does it fail to solve for this issue even though it is very well intentioned. Yeah, I mean it's really it's it's simple economics. If there is no incentive for somebody to come in and build the supply that's needed, they're not going to do it. And so markets have a funny little way of working themselves out, right? If there's not enough of a thing, prices rise, that creates a profit incentive for people to come in and produce the thing that's in demand so that they can make money. And then as those things are produced and you have more supply, uh, that comes in to, to meet the demand and things are, become uh, in, in balance or in equilibrium. And then uh, if they go, if we get too much of the thing, then the price comes down and it goes back to equilibrium. So things tend to balance themselves out under normal market conditions. Now, if you throw a wrench in that, uh, a market cannot function the way it should. So if you come in and you uh, place rent controls in there, especially these extremely strict ones that St. Paul just did, there's no profit incentive to build. So that supply constraint gets worse because the building that was happening is going to stop. So now we've got an even exaggerated version of the supply constraint, which guess what? That's going to make uh, the problem even worse. So if you can't raise your rents and you're a property owner, what are you going to do? You're going to turn your apartments into condos and sell them off and the supply issue gets even worse. And if you own a property and you don't condo it and you want to keep trying to make it work, you're not incentivized to improve anything mm -hmm. because you're not going to get paid back for it. So everything turns into a slump. Mm -hmm. So the existing assets get crummier. No one builds new ones. And the, uh, the ones that are existing that don't get crummier will get converted into something else. And it all just gets worse. Yeah, so, and, and even if there was development still occurring, let's say the rent control doesn't affect the new development. Even in that environment where builders are now incentivized, they're not being penalized because luxury in a lot of markets is exempt from any kind of rent control regulation. What it's going to do then is if we have these old buildings that we can't raise the rent on, these class C, class B buildings, which you can't build new. Unfortunately, it's cost prohibitive. So the only things you can build new are class A. Well, if that's where the investment opportunity is in the money, then that's where people are going to go. So they're going to take their units, like Dan said. What we see across all markets when rent control goes in is everybody turns their units into condos, taking more supply off the market. They start to build, so they tear down their buildings and build something new there, taking more supply off the market. And a really interesting side effect, which I had, n had no concept for, like there's so many downstream effects that... I wasn't cognizant of, but I read a book uh, a couple months back called Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell, and he talks a lot about this concept. And one of the second order effects is if you put an arbitrary cap on rent, then people can now afford things that previously they couldn't afford. And that sounds like a good thing. But let's take this a little bit further. If I'm a single male and I could only afford a one bedroom previously, and that's what the market is dictating. That's all I could afford. Well, in a rent control environment, I can now afford maybe a three-bedroom apartment. And I want that extra space, especially given COVID. So I'm going to go move into that unit and take two more units off the market because I'm one guy. I have a three-bedroom. Now there's a family out there who needed that three-bedroom. They're not going to get it, thus making the supply issue even worse. So in all cases, rent control tries to solve for a supply issue, and all it really does is make the issue worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and we've never seen an example of rent control 
achieve the desired outcome. It's never happened, which is why this is so aggravating for us <laughs> data-focused people. We're looking at this and saying, here, why <laughs> on the nine millionth attempt of this would it suddenly work, especially in its most strict form? So it's it's quite frustrating for us. But at the end of the day, we've uh, you know been busy this week re-underwriting all of our mm-hmm. deals that we've got, and we've we've crunched the numbers. And luckily, we have been so. Um, pessimistic with our assumptions on all of our deals, which we've been made fun of by other people in the past, that like after we get through our value-add business model on our properties that we own, we've already got 3% built in. And everyone always looks at that and says, "What? that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Well, it works out, right? So if you plan for the worst, it tends to work out if something negative does happen. So it's 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 kind of comforting in that sense that, hey, our, our, our logic is is actually working here. But you know, we've we've pivoted. Uh, we're starting to pivot, I, w- I should say. So it's not like there's no opportunities here. We definitely think that the the St. Paul situation is going to get much more lax. Even the mayor said that the current uh, status of that um, uh, of, of whatever the ordinance. Voted, the ordinance there's the word I'm looking for. Uh, the, this the, the ordinance as it stands is too strict, mm-hmm. and they want to make it better. And so, you know, if they just pull it back a little bit to be the normal kind of rent control that you see in other markets, where it's inflation plus a few percentage points, that works. That's more than we need. We mm-hmm. can still get our our our, uh, our job done um, under those constraints. And here's an interesting consequence of rent control, which we talked about in the deeper webinar on the previous episode, long form, um, is the fact that when rent control goes into effect, it makes it harder to cash flow. You're not going to be getting the great cash flow that you were getting previously because the rent, you're not going to be keeping pace with expenses. And so it's going to get thinner and thinner, but because there is a cap on supply, when supply gets capped, um, the price of that supply goes up. So we're going to see even more cap rate compression, which is, you know, one half of the valuation model NOI divided by cap rate equals the building's value. But cap rate is way more powerful than NOI. So if we can, compress that cap rate even more, then we're going to see big returns on the back end when you go to exit or refinance rather than during the life of the hold. So it's going to cash flow less, but you're going to have more incentive on the back end. And if you look at New York and San Francisco where there's like 2% cap rates, that's what happens is it just keeps getting super compressed. Yeah. And then the other thing to note as well, just to kind of wrap things up is that even if there's a a rent control uh, law enacted, that doesn't mean that you can't increase your revenue through ways other, other than ways. rent. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of opportunities to look at. All you really need to do is kind of pivot your strategy. And as long as you haven't been overly optimistic in your underwriting, if you're an investor and you haven't been over leveraging, uh, a slight pivot will get the job yeah. done. And that's what we're doing. So we're looking at more rubs. We're looking at more parking fees, pet fees, concierge um, service fees, and, and looking at that other income category uh, to fill in the gap. Because historically, we've just kept it simple and said, yeah, we're not going to overfeed people. We're just going to raise the rent. But if that rent uh, tool in our toolbox has been taken away, then we'll just bill back for utilities like everybody else. So you could still get to the same place. It's kind of annoying having to jump through the hoops and deal with all this rigmarole, but you know, you can still get the thing done. You just have to be looking for opportunities and not focusing on problems, which mm-hmm. is what we do. Exactly. So if you want to learn more about rent control, specifically as it affects us in St. Paul and Minneapolis or just larger markets, go check out that longer episode, the live webinar that we did where we fielded questions from investors just like you. Um, previous episode, I believe I might be wrong about that might be the one coming out afterwards. I get confused. Um, but we appreciate you taking some time to join us this week. If you could do us a favor, go over to iTunes, drop us a review, tell us how much you love run control or hate run control. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and we'll see you next week.
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.